All right, good morning. And we do love Jesus. Thank you for leading us in that. Uh, a couple of things just to let you know about. We are going to be uh, not doing something I expected we were going to do today for the past few months. Uh, if you've been around Berean for any amount of time, typically I will kind of plan out the year in sermons. Uh, that way it kind of helps me to kind of know where we're going. Plus, then I try to get ahead of my sermons. And once I told somebody that, that I get out a few weeks ahead and they said, whoa, do you ever change your mind? Does, does anything ever happen or you just kind of do your thing? And actually today, we've changed. I had planned that we were going to be starting Hebrews chapter 1 today, but we're not going to do that. Instead, we are going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And I want to start out actually with a verse that will set us up for that uh, passage. This is Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. It says, "'Go therefore and make disciples of all nations.'" baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey like everything or to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Okay, quick thing, turn to your neighbor, little, little, and those of you who are online watching, turn to somebody maybe you're watching with or just guess for yourself. There's one command in this verse. Tell your neighbor what's the command. Ready, set, go. Or maybe I just gave you a hint. Or maybe not. All right, here we go. So there's four options that people often come up with. The first one, you don't have to raise your hand, but the first one is go, which sounds like a command, like go, like get going. But that's actually not a command. It's what's called a participle, and it's this idea that as you're going along in everyday life, you're supposed to be doing this command. So goes not the command. Then some of you might say like, oh, baptizing, that's it. And baptizing is a powerful thing. And we try to do that here at Berean because it's an amazing symbol of a person who has come to faith in Christ and their old self has died and is buried and their new self has come up anew, fresh, resurrected. And we'll see that in a moment. You might think baptizing, but that's not it. It's teaching. We're a Berean church. We teach. We study the Bible that's actually the same kind of word as baptizing. It's not a command. The one command in the verse, it's make. So go therefore and make disciples. And so the verb, the command is make. In other words, what it says in the disciple simply is a follower or an apprentice of Jesus. Jesus says, I want you to make people followers of me. And one of the ways you'll do that, by the way, is baptizing. And another way is teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So this is this huge thing. Now, okay, why, why do we even need to talk about this? Well, this is where our mission statement comes from. If you know our mission statement, it starts with leading. Would you say it with me? Leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we're here about at Berean. If you're new here, we're so glad you're here. We need this reality because, friends, life's hard. Look, I'm reminded of that day after day, week after week, year after year, people losing. I was praying with a person today. One person who normally prays with us on Sunday morning is on a flight to uh, bury a brother. Another man was waiting for his mother, hoping she might wake up so that she could communicate with a sister who had just flown in. There's no shortage of pain in this life. There's no shortage of times when people let us down, when we are hoping that a relationship's going to last forever, and it doesn't. 
or we let other people down, or we get bitter inside and frustrated and angry, and where are we going to get the strength to make disciples? In fact, where are we going to get the strength to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus? You look at Jesus's life. He never, he never got bitter or resentful or angry. How are we going to have, if we are going to make disciples, let alone be disciples, followers of Jesus who actually look like him, where in the world are we going to get that kind of strength? See, we need that. And that, as a church, if we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and this is not a question that we can just go, oh, it's probably not that big of a deal. This is critical. So that's where we're going to be today. If you would bow your heads with me, we're going to pray, and then we're going to open up to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Father, we are asking for your help today. I've already been praying, come Holy Spirit, speak in the way that only you can. Make your words the preeminent words. Allow me to fade to the background, speak to your people. Lord, for those people who don't even yet know you, who are just showing up here, Lord, remind them, let them know how very dearly you love them. And Lord, will you give us the strength? We need it today. I need strength right now. We need strength to listen, I to preach. Will you come in power? We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, if you've got notes and you want to take them, here we go. We're going to kick it right off. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You can look at it. We're just going to be in the first two verses. This is number one. And this word, be strengthened, it's also a command. It's a command, and so here's, if you like to fill in blanks, here's your first blank you can fill in. Be, leave the first blank, blank, and strengthened. Be strengthened is what Paul is saying. I want you to be strengthened, but this is a fascinating command. This is one of these weird ones in the, in the New Testament. We, we see this at times where the command, normally if I say, throw the ball, that's kind of an active command. Like, you're going to throw, you will do the action. When we say be strengthened, this is a passive verb, which means that you do not strengthen yourself. You don't kind of like, okay, so I got to kind of grip my teeth and, and I'll be strong and, and here we go. In fact, in the NAS, the way I, I memorized it growing up was you then my son, be strong in the grace. And a better translation, I think, is what the ESV is doing here. Be strengthened. In other words, and here's the phrase, I loved how somebody put this. I did not come up with this phrase. Don't attribute it to me. But they said that the being strengthened is a yielding of ourselves to divine empowerment. Where are we going to get the kind of strength to look like Jesus and then lead others and make others to look like Jesus? Where are we going to get that? It needs to be a yielding of ourselves to divine empowerment. It's got to be in this passive verb, Lord, you have to do this. Do you remember a few months ago we were talking about habits of grace? And then the analogy was that when I walk into a room and I flip on a light switch, like the lights go on and I flip the switch, but I didn't run the wires. I'm not the one who created the power substation that got the power here. I, I didn't do any of that. I just flipped the switch. All right, similarly, I can open the tap and I can get cool, refreshing, life-giving water, but I didn't run the pipes. I didn't, I didn't make the water source. I just flipped the light switch, turned on the tap. That's what we can do with this to be strengthened. So how do we put ourselves in a place to be strengthened? Okay, I got some suggestions for you today, but it all starts with this. We are called to be strengthened by the grace. 
This, this un, grace is an undeserved favor. God has not treated us like our sins deserve. He did not spare his own son so that he could spare us. That is grace. You didn't earn it. <laughs> you, you don't deserve it. I mean, you're, you're wonderful, but you don't deserve it. No, like this is just a free gift of God. And so we back into this grace. And by the way, this grace is found in Christ Jesus. That's the beautiful thing is that I don't have to, to kind of somehow work my way and go, okay, God, I'm, I'm worthy enough. No, it's by trusting by faith in what he's accomplished for me at the cross. that the, the son of God would live that perfect life, absorb my sin into himself, not a part, but the whole of it, die the death my sin deserved. Rise again and remove all guilt from me. That, that is the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And we yield ourselves to divine empowerment when we do, and I'm gonna give you five thoughts today. Five thoughts I think you can do, and I, I've been doing these, these this week, and it's been actually really beautiful in my own soul. Here's number one, you meditate. Meditate. Now, meditation has been co-opted by our, a lot of Eastern religions. And in Eastern religion, meditation means that I just empty my mind and maybe I've got a mantra that I'm saying. That is not Christian meditation. Christian meditation is where I fill my mind with truths of Scripture or the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Do you remember this from, it was just a few weeks ago, we looked at Colossians chapter 3. In the NIV, and I like how it says it, it says, since then you have been raised with Christ. And so I fixed in my heart, and this, this week, two or three times, I woke up in the morning, first thought was like, whoa, I've been raised with Christ. Second thought, my new life that's been raised with Christ is now hidden with Christ. Nothing can take away the grace that I've experienced, not my own sin, not my own failing, not the damage of other people. I, my life is hidden with Christ. And one day when Christ appears, I'm going to appear with him in glory. I'm going to see him as he is, and I'm going to be like him in his character. You see, this is meditation where we stop and we remember the grace that is in Christ Jesus to raise our dead lives to a new life, and it's hidden with Christ in God, and one day it will be revealed in glory fully. This is meditation on the grace that is found in Christ Jesus. Do you meditate? Do you just think about the grace that's been offered to you through the scriptures? That's number one, meditation. Here's number two, it's confession. Did you know that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness? You see, one of the beauties of confession, when I am not operating under grace, confession is a scary thing. Because I have to, to have a certain level of, I got to measure up. I can't show you what I'm really experiencing. I can't, because if I confess it, oh man, then it just falls on me. It's terrible. But in grace, not that there aren't consequences, but in grace, I know that I am no longer condemned. Confession, our attitude, our action of confession is a strong statement of God, you need to empower me by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I receive that grace and it allows me to confess something that is just stuck in there. Some of us today, we are still struggling with stuff that we're not telling anybody. 
And confession is this awesome way to say, I will walk in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I don't want that to hold me any longer. You realize that sin is mastering you, and it's not going to take you to good places. It's not trying for, to have your good in mind. It wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. Confession is a way that we strengthen ourselves in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Here's the third thing. We remind ourselves of our new identity. We have that. When we were raised with Christ, we were given a new identity. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. That old self, slave to sin, is gone. It's passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ has reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciliation. You are a new creation. The old is gone, it's dead, it's buried. We, we keep wanting to bring it back up and we get deceived thinking it still has power over us, but it doesn't. And now, not only are we a new creation, but we got a new ministry. We actually can talk to people about how they can be reconciled with God just as we have been. By the way, in verse 19, he goes on, he, he's trying to make it even clear. He says, that, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. At the cross, God took all the sins of anyone who by faith in Jesus would throw them to him. And Jesus took them and took the punishment. And so now God is not counting the trespass against them, but entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. By the way, that word entrust, just keep that in mind. We're going we're to see that kind of same, that word again. God is entrusting. He's given us this, this blessing of like, you can tell other people about this reconciliation. There are thousands of people in Lincoln County who are not reconciled to God right now. And we can be the people who have that ministry of reconciliation, these new creations in Christ. But we got to remind ourselves and be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We have a new identity. Meditation on the grace, confession through the grace, reminding ourselves of our new identity. Here's number four. It's reminding ourselves of our assured hope. Again, these are, are scriptures that we just have looked at in Revelation 21, three to five, but in verse four, it says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Are we, are we reminding ourselves of the assured hope that's coming in the midst of all of the things that want to just destroy our hope? No, this is what's coming. Meditation, confession, our new identity, our assured hope. These were the four that I thought of. And then I was talking with a friend and they gave me a fifth one that I really liked. Some of you will really resonate with this one. That when we listen to music, music that really exalts who Jesus is, and, and, and as I was talking with this friend, they said, you know, recently the ones that have just really grabbed my soul is the hymns, the old hymns, have been really meaningful to that person. And maybe that is for you. Maybe it's some of the songs we've sang already, Majesty of Heaven. Our salvation comes through Christ. Meditation, confession, our new identity, our assured hope, the songs that extol Jesus. All of these are ways that we yield ourselves to a divine empowerment. So friends, how about you? Do you do, you do it? You then, my son, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We have no hope of living a life that we're called to live, to look like Jesus, or to lead other people to look like Jesus if we're not being strengthened ourselves. 
By the way, this is not only a passive verb, it's a present tense verb. And the reason that matters is because, like, if I tell you, like, throw, like, be throwing the ball, like, that means I want you to keep throwing the ball. Don't, don't throw the ball right now. But it means I want you to keep throwing the ball. If I tell you to be strengthened, I'm not saying, like, hey, get strengthened last week. I'm not even saying get strengthened once this morning. I'm talking about, here's the way you could put it, be continually strengthened. What Paul is urging Timothy is he said, I want you to be continually strengthened. This is a continual filling that you're going to need if you're going to do the next command. And yeah, there is a second command coming. By the way, I was just thinking about potential pitfalls. One of the reasons I think we don't do continual filling in this way, continual strengthening, is we just get distracted. You know, Sunday's great because it's like we, we have this time cut out, like an hour every Sunday where it was like we're being exposed to the Word. And even if your mind wanders a little bit, and I get that, I, I know, I know how that works, but even if it wanders a little bit, but maybe the songs and some of the scriptures, and maybe you could take it home, maybe you extend it out just a little bit, but if this is the sum total of the filling, the strengthening that you receive each week, you will be weak because you need to be continually strengthened. And sometimes we just become preoccupied. We get distracted. We fail to yield ourselves. It's like we go on autopilot and we just don't think about the Lord. Maybe that's where you are today. And by the way, that's where that confession, I walk in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I'm not condemned because I have failed there, but God, I don't want to stay there. I think another thing is sometimes we rest on our past laurels. We think about how those days gone by when I used to be so close to the Lord and I kind of rest on that. And I'm like, yeah, I know what that's like to be strengthened. Maybe I'm not really being strengthened currently, but, but I was once and I, I'm, I'm resting in that. As a pastor, I've thought about this a lot of times. I thought, man, if I don't keep having fresh stories, I'm in trouble. You know, let me tell you this story. It's from 1987. It's like, no, no, it's got to be fresh, continual strengthening. Friends, are you continually strengthened? When, when do you take time to yield yourself to divine empowerment? And if the answer is, well, probably not much, great. This is a point of confession today. Here's what I believe is that when we are, we are empowered by grace, and when we do this, it changes our motivations. It moves from a duty or an obligation, like, oh, okay, I got to make disciples. I should make disciples. Yeah, I should do that. To, oh, my life is raised with Christ, and it's hidden with him now, and I'm going to appear with him in glory, and I can, I can, I don't have to hide what's going on. I'm not condemned. Father, I want to be in this ministry of reconciliation. Will you let me participate? Be continually strengthened. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. If we don't get this one first, we have no hope of going on to verse two well. We don't have a hope of being able to live the lives like Jesus calls us to live. And what is that life? Here it is, it's in verse two. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Again, if you like to take notes, here it is. Entrust to the people. Paul says, I want you, Timothy, to entrust to the people. Now, there's a couple of things here. This word entrust means to faithfully pass 
along. This is, this is what is so marvelous about being a pastor at, at this church is that I don't have to get creative each week with the message that I'm supposed to bring you. I just have to faithfully, I mean, I, I can be creative in the ways I present it, but the message itself has already been written for me. My role is I have been entrusted with a message to then pass along as faithfully as possible, not my own words, but the words of Scripture. Just as you are called to entrust, just as Timothy was called by Paul to entrust to people. We don't create our own message. Yes, like I said, we can creatively display it, but we can never get creative with the message. The word entrust has this idea that a trust, something of value, has been handed over and given to someone. I am entrusting you with this incredibly valuable reality. And for Paul, he, he is, I mean, there's a lot of ways that he describes this trust. Later in, in messages to Timothy, he talks about guard the trust that's been given to you. The trust, if I can just sum it up, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Back in 1 Timothy chapter 1, and you can look, it's on your notes, verses 12 to 18, the apostle Paul kind of describes to Timothy, here is this grace that I'm talking about. The grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Here's the trust, Timothy. Friends, here's the trust that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Now, here's the thing. I, I read that, and, and, I, and I think that last line, I'm like, I could give Paul a run for his money on that one. But he's saying, here's the message. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. We could talk about so much more than that, but it's not less than that. This is the gospel message that we were sinners, that we were separated from God, and that God didn't just say, well, you know what? I'm tired of you anyway. But he sent his one and only son to rescue us. This is the trust that Christ saved sinners. And that we now have this ministry of reconciliation. And we are called, Timothy first called, entrust to people. But it's not just any people that we're called to entrust to. Let me help you see this. We are called to entrust to the right people. There are right people to entrust this message to. And there are people who are not the right people to entrust this message to. Paul makes it super clear. I don't know if you caught it, but he gives two caveats yeah, here's who I want you to entrust the message to, Timothy. And, and let's look at it. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to what kind of men does it say? Faithful men who will be able to teach others. Teach others. You see, so here's our two huge things. Now, let's talk about it. He's looking for faithful men. Let me talk about really quickly the word man. Because that kind of, hey, we don't really need the other half of you women out there. It can be what it may sound like. If you go and look at multiple translations, you can see that some of them are faithful men. Others are faithful people. The word here in the Greek is anthropos, and it simply means humanity. Now, it's, it is possible that what Paul was saying, that here, Timothy, I'm talking about as you are putting, installing elders, and here at Berean, we do believe that elders is, a, is an office reserved for men. 
And it could be that Paul's saying, as you are getting these faithful elders, these men who are, by the way, an elder qualification is able to teach, that they need to be men. But there is no doubt in anyone's mind that women are just as significant and disciples in the ministry of Jesus as the men were. I don't know if you've noticed this, but you had the woman, one of the Marys, who was sitting at his feet, women who, who were very influential in supporting the ministry of Jesus and of Paul. There is, this is not a faithful only men. This is not just for men. This is for men and women. Timothy, I want you to entrust this gospel message, these truths of the gospel to a faithful person, I think is a really good translation there. Timothy, the person has to be faithful. Do they do what they say they'll do? Do they show faithfulness to Jesus in their everyday life? Do they act one way at the church, in the gatherings, and then go to work and look very different? What's their speech like? Do they, do, when, they're, when they're around some people, do they talk this way, whatever that way might be, gossiping, lying, swearing? Or and then when they're around other people, maybe the church people, then it's okay. Are we faithful people? Again, the only way we're going to be these, this kind of faithful is when we are strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Honest question. Do you consider yourself faithful? You don't have to answer that out loud. Don't really want to. But are you a faithful person? Or are you kind of one way, one place, another way, another place? By the way, some of us are saying like, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm dead. Like, I can't, forget it. I can't do that. And on the flip side, let me give you a reminder of this. That there was a, a disciple that Jesus said to Peter, your name is going, it was Cephas, and he said, I'm going to main, rename you Peter, which means rock, and on this rock, I'm going to build my church. That's the same Peter that three times denied Jesus, faithlessly denied Jesus. So if you have been a faithless person, that doesn't mean that you cannot become the kind of faithful person that God calls you to, but you must be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And part of that grace is to confess, you know what? I'm not the same way. God, I want to be one and whole. I want to be your woman. I want to be your man. The things which you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful people, whoops, I don't want to miss this one, who will be able to teach others also. What Paul is saying to Timothy is, Timothy, it's not about me just giving to you. Somebody told me recently that, um, or I was reminded recently, I think I probably heard a long time ago, if you want to notice the quality of your discipleship, if you want to notice the quality of how well you help people follow Jesus, don't look at the people that you are directly discipling. So if it's like me, I don't look at the person who I'm meeting with and discipling. That is not the, the measure of the quality of the discipleship. Any, anybody want to take a guess? I know it, it can feel weird in here, but anybody want to take a guess? What's the real measure of the quality of my discipleship? It's not this person that I'm discipling. It's the people they disciple. You see, doesn't, it's not like me and this person. It's like, does this person then teaching other people who will be able to teach other people? See, that's a huge reality. Now you're into multi-generational, you're into exponential kind of increase. If we're finding faithful people who will be able to teach others also, then as I faithfully impart and entrust to this person, and they faithfully entrust to this person, and they faithfully entrust to this person, and it starts to branch out, can you see what this could happen with the gospel? 
So that's why we're looking for faithful people. We're looking for people who will be able to teach others also. Doesn't mean that you have to stand up on a platform like this. This is one kind of teaching. But can you sit with someone? Can you walk through scripture? Can you, you just have to be one step ahead of someone. You don't even, it's not like you have to be, I've gone through like a, a theology degree or are you growing yourself? So somebody you're a step ahead of. Are you able to teach others? Okay, one final thing. I want you to see this. Paul is really looking at this idea, not just that he's looking at how he's discipling Timothy. He does say, the things which you have heard from me. Paul says, look, Timothy, I've, I've got my stuff and I've communicated it to you. The things, Timothy, which you've heard from me starts with Paul. He entrusts it to Timothy. But look at what he says. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful people. So we got a third generation. We got Paul, who then is entrusting to Timothy, who is called to entrust to faithful people. But we still have yet another generation, those faithful people who will be able to teach others also. So we've got four generations of what Paul is trying to communicate to Timothy. Entrust Timothy the same way I entrusted to you. Entrust to faithful people who will be able to teach others also. Four generations and beyond. Okay. So this is where this three-book challenge comes in. And this is an initiative that honestly is not like a new initiative. It's not something brand new that we're starting at Berean. It's something that we feel like we probably need to grow in. Let me take you back to the last five years as we baptized many people. Praise God. So exciting. What would often happen is that uh, people would come to Christ and, and I, several of them would come into my office. I would share the gospel. They would say, yes, I believe that. We would baptize them. Someone would baptize them. And of those many, many who got baptized, plenty of them are not walking with the Lord right now. And that rips my heart out as a shepherd. And I'm like, we gotta have people. Well, here, here's what was missing. There wasn't someone to walk alongside that person all the time. Now, that doesn't mean, does not mean that if you're willing to, some of these people, they did have somebody walking alongside them and they still veered off the course. This isn't like a panacea that takes care of everything, but I can tell you that the person who is baptized and never discipled, never followed up with, that is a very low hope. And sometimes when I, I, I have a chance to lead somebody to Christ and I just think, I can't disciple you. I, can't, I cannot do this one. I can't do it. The whole body is called to it. Uh, I hope to have this couple come to you. There was a woman who came into my office, I don't know, maybe two, three months ago. She just started coming to Berean uh, recently. Some trauma had happened in her life. She was just searching. So I shared the gospel with her, and she responded. She's like, yes, I want that gift from God. And so we prayed that day, and I'm like, that's awesome. And I was right in the midst of thinking about how we've lost so many people to getting baptized and then wandering off. And so I, I, I grabbed two little booklets that I had in my office, and they're these guys right here. This is what I, I mentioned about the, the three-book challenge. It's this book just for starters. I grabbed two of these, and, I, and I, I said, hey, you take one, and I know you got a friend who's here in the church. You give her the other one. I, did, I, volu I voluntold the friend that they were going to do this. I did not tell the friend that they were going to do it. I just said, I know that they, they've been around Brian for a while. She can do this one, and you do this one. Y'all go do it. And you know what happened? 
They did it. <laughs> and it was good. And on Thursday, the woman came back into my office a couple of months later and said, hey, I, I think I'm ready to be baptized. I want to do this. She has someone who's walking with her. That is the three-book challenge. The three-book challenge is, and by the way, there are these envelopes out in the foyer that if you want to take the three-book challenge, you can come and grab an envelope. There are some that have just three books in them, some that have six books if you want extra credit. <laughs> just kidding. Those are like for couples. If you got a couple, if you got two people in your, in your family, you want to do them, that's great. Three-book challenge looks like this. this. You take one for you. Paul. The second one, you give to Timothy. But you tell Timothy, hey, I want you to take the third one and give it to somebody faithful. See, I'm gonna do this with you, but you're gonna do this with somebody else. And look, there's not an age limit on this. It's not like you have to be 21 in order to do this. I love that you young people sit right here. That's awesome. Like anybody can do this. And, and it is not, this is not rocket science stuff, which let me, let me show you this real quick, and then let me make a caveat about rocket science stuff. This is the Just for Starters uh, thing, uh, the table of contents, that after I put it up there this morning and I saw it, I'm like, y'all can't probably even read it. It, uh, it just is saved by God, trusting in God, living God's way, listening to God, talking with God, meeting with God's family, meeting the world. And then what do I study next? And by the way, in the YouVersion Live event, I've linked to the place where we get these because there's lots of good resources. Is this the most amazing discipleship tool on the face of the planet in this known universe? Yes, of course. No, not, not necessarily, but it is easy and we have used it for people and we believe that you could use it too. Originally, when I, when I thought about this, and if you're a partner, I'd like to talk directly to you for a moment. Originally, I thought, man, we have 180 people who have said, I'm a partner. I'm going the direction that North Platte Berean is going. And I'm like, I would love to see every partner do this. My initial reaction was like, let's mail three copies of this to every partner in the body and just say, hey, would you do this this year? I don't know if, that's, if we landed on that one or not, but I just think it'd be great if all 180 people said, we're on it. And by the way, you don't have to be a partner to do this. We got more, we had enough that all 180 partners could take three books and we got another 100 people who could do this as well. We ordered a lot of books. And we really believe this is one way after we have been strengthened in the grace, by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, this is one way that we can make disciples. Uh, if you just wanna know, it, starts, it always starts out, I don't know if you can see it, but it's a verse. In this case, it's Romans 5, 8, and 9. And you read a verse, and then in the chapter, there are some questions that are, have numbers next to them that come straight out of the verse. There are other questions that you got to think a little bit and kind of put some stuff together and apply and interpret. It's a four-page weekly study. There are seven of these. What I'm asking for with this three-book challenge is a seven-week commitment. Would you take seven weeks and for your person say, I'm going to do this, and then would you do this one? And by the way, as we start, my dream is that you will take this third book and go do this same thing I'm doing with you with someone else, the three-book challenge. It doesn't have to be right now. You might say, I don't even know who I would uh, do this with, John. You could take a folder, an envelope today, and you could take it home, and I'd say, start asking the Lord, Lord, who's in my family that maybe I should do this with? Who, who's in my, my friend group that I might do this with? Who, who is a coworker that I could do this with? 
And maybe you just begin to pray and you ask the Lord and you take one today in faith saying, Lord, I want to do this. I want to make disciples and I'm going to try this three book challenge in 2022. Sometime in the next year, seven weeks, now, I do think after you've finished with your entrusting of these seven weeks, it's not like you say, well, now that I've given you seven weeks, I'm dropping you. You're still a friend. You can still be useful and, and connected to that person. But friends, this is the three-book challenge. If you want one of these packs, and by the way, I was going to say, to those of you who are watching online, if you want a packet, let us know your address. We will mail a packet to you. We would love this. We're not charging for the books. This is something that that I wrestled with, I'm like, should we, you know, the skin in the game. What we want is we just want to get it out there to y'all. This is the part where I kind of want to look at all of you and say, everybody look at I, look I, look I. <laughs> and like, do you understand this? It starts with this, however. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The first thing we've got to do before we can do any of this making disciples is we need the strength of Christ in us. So here's how we're going to end today. I asked the, the worship team to come out, and, and we're going to take just a few minutes, and, uh, and we're actually going to practice being strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Would you do me a favor right now? Would you take out a Bible, whether you've got a paper Bible or you've got a, a phone? But here are our four ways. I, the, the fifth way was the listening to music, which if you want to kind of rehearse it in your own head, you can do that. But here are four ways you can take Scripture right now. You can meditate on the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3, 1 to 4. You can confess some sin that the, maybe the Spirit has brought up to you and read 1 John 1, 9 and remind yourselves you can get forgiveness and cleansing right now. You can remind yourself of your new identity you're a minister of reconciliation. You can remind yourself of the assured hope that's coming. So I'm gonna give you just a few, it's not gonna be super long, but we're practicing what it looks like to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And then I will close us in prayer for this part. We're gonna to sing to close, sing with whole hearts. 